0: You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. Our off-season report card series forges ahead today, and we are going to look at the offensive guard position. Not point guard, not shooting guard, NFL football guard. And the Packers might be in a little bit better shape if they had Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton. Uh, They don't. And they have a hole here. This is why we're doing this early. Uh, So we're going to look at the guys that are on the roster currently, the guys that are going to be on the roster next year, and then the potential options. How are they going to handle the draft? How are they going to handle free agency? And what, more importantly, is the best way to handle dealing with this really massive hole At right guard, and I have said this before, I'll say it again, and this will not be the last time you will hear me say it, so I apologize in advance, but the one true hole on this roster, I mean true where they can't go into next season without upgrading it, or it would be a dereliction of duty by this front office, it's at right guard. The combination of Justin McCray, who got hurt early, and Byron Bell was just not Good enough. And for most of the season, Byron Bell was one of the 5, 10, 15 worst starting offensive linemen in football, one of the worst starters, frankly, in football. In fact, pro football focus, uh, and and I understand some people are dubious of the grades. They they are, you know, I I think rightfully cynical about some of this stuff, but I, I think on the margins, you can get a feel for this. Byron Bell was the 12th worst rated guard by Pro Football Focus last season. Lucas Patrick, the 11th worst guard by Pro Football Focus among guys who played at least 20% of snaps. In just eight games, Justin McCray gave up five sacks. Lane Taylor had a really roller coaster season, up and down. It's interesting because. ESPN created this pass-blocking win-rate metric. And it's really, I think, a a useful tool for us in in assessing offensive linemen because there is nothing more important that you can do as a modern offensive lineman than protect your quarterback. And Lane Taylor won, according to ESPN, 85% of his pass-blocking assignments. That's the same number as Marshall Yanda, who... It might be the best guard of his generation, eighth best in the league. Yonda was a tick ahead, I'm sure, you know, with decimal points and rounding. Lane Taylor, you know, is just a, a tick below. Interestingly, and we'll get to this a little bit later, there are two other free agent guards in the top 10. Could they be players the Packers target this spring? Maybe. But so when it comes to what the Packers did in 2018 with these offensive linemen on the interior, Lane Taylor, top 10 in pass protection wins, eighth, in fact. But according to Pro Football Focus, gave up eight sacks in 15 games. That was tied for the second most in the league. He was inconsistent. I would say he was a slightly above average guard in 2018. Now, I thought he played very well. In 2017, he was above average. In 2017, he's still a relatively young player. Remember, if he is your worst offensive lineman, you're in very good shape. If he is your, you know, third best, then you have problems. If you don't have Brian Bulaga at right tackle, and you have this black hole at right guard, and suddenly he's got to be this this quasi anchor, that's just not where he is best suited. So, if we're talking about grades. I mean, the right guard was an F, F, F. And all three guys that played there were bad. Bad. Terrible bad. Lane Taylor was up and down. He's probably a C, C plus, B minus, somewhere in there. Not up to snuff for him, but still, you know, right at average to above average for an NFL guard. I think Nico Siragusa is an interesting player for the Packers. They signed him to the practice squad from the Ravens. And he could be someone this is we're talking about a former mid-round pick that that had some some fans coming out of San Diego State. He tested very well athletically and he might take, you know, let's say. So here's the deal. Lucas Patrick and Justin McRae are uh, exclusive rights free agents. So Green Bay can give them a tender. It's not like there's no negotiating here. If they sign the tender, that's it. You're done, and then that's your that's your one year. Byron Bell is a full-on free agent. He is an unrestricted free agent. He is not going to be back. He was terrible. He will not be back. So if you have three guys all hitting the open market potentially, you have to keep at least one. You're going to probably give Nico Siragusa a chance to make this team, so that's two. You're still probably at least too short. You're going to keep, obviously, Lane Taylor's under contract. If you keep, let's say Lucas Patrick is the guy that they keep. They like him. They want to give him an opportunity to earn some playing time. Okay, they keep him. They sign Nico Siragusa, Justin McRae, and Byron Bell are gone. They still don't really have a good option at right guard. Could they sign someone? Could they draft someone? These are options they're going to have to look at, but without question, I mean, we can be unequivocal about this. We don't have to hedge. We don't have to add caveats. The guard position in 2018 was subpar. And at right guard in particular, it is a must-upgrade position for the Packers. There's just no question. And speaking of upgrades, the NBA right now with all of the trades all of the madness there are a lot of teams looking to upgrade to make a playoff run and the locked on podcast network is going live with an NBA trade deadline special Thursday at 130 Eastern live so it's bu- if it's before that right now, you can set your YouTube DVR or just get ready to look at it on YouTube on Lockdown, fantasy basketballs. YouTube channel hosted by David Locke and fantasy expert, Josh Lloyd, plus all the local experts of the lockdown podcast network. They will break it down with all of the deals offer the fantasy perspective and have local angles on potential trades. That's again, that's Thursday at one 30 Eastern 90 minutes before the trade deadline on YouTube at locked on fantasy basketball. And if you missed it, if you weren't able to watch it live, it will be on the channel there. You can watch it it will be fun this is a tremendously entertaining part of the nba season and those guys do an awesome awesome job so be sure to check that out so yesterday i went on twitter and i said you know i was i was having watched some of the top guard prospects i said you know here are here's the full list of interior offensive linemen i would be comfortable taking in the first round There, I just did the list. Did you catch it? That's the list. That's the full list. I'm not in on Cody Ford. I think Juwan Taylor, if he were a guard, I might be a little bit more into him, the offensive tackle from Florida. But that's sort of the point here. You don't have to worry as a fan about knowing these guard prospects because they're not going to draft one. They're just not. And and the reason is, they, they never have, and they probably aren't going to start anytime soon. So you go back to 2005, and we think Brian Gutekunst is following more or less the same model that Ted Thompson found. And there's frankly no reason to get away from that model because the model of drafting offensive tackles in college to play guard in the mid-rounds has worked for this team for years. Darren College, Josh Sitton. TJ Lang, David Bakhtiari, JC Treader. Corey Lindsley was not an offensive tackle, but he's a mid round player. This has worked for them for as long as Ted Thompson has been a part of this front office. They don't draft guards. In fact, going back to 2005, they've only done it twice. In 2006, they drafted Jason Spitz in the third round, he was a guard. He ended up playing center. In 2011, they drafted Caleb Schlatterhoff, guard, seventh round or sixth round, borderline NFL player at the time. That was just a uh, let's see what we can do here. Now you go back to 20, 2006, Darren College, second round pick, offensive tackle to play guard. 2008, Josh Sitton, fourth round. Offensive tackle to play guard. 2009, TJ Lang, fourth round offensive tackle to play guard. 2010, Marshall Newhouse, fifth round offensive tackle to play guard. 2013, JC Treader, fourth round offensive tackle to play. He played everywhere. And 2017, Kofi Amicius, sixth round offensive tackle. He was supposed to play guard. And oh, by the way, 2018, Cole Madison fifth round offensive tackle to play guard. The Cole Madison thing is interesting here if, because if he is going to play, and his agent said in August that he intended to come back to play, we don't have any updates as of right now. We haven't heard anything from their camp, but the hope would be that he can come back and, and give you something. Hopefully he's stayed in decent shape. He's not going to be sharp, but if he goes through the off-season process, goes through mini camp, training camp, uh, the offseason process with, with weights and all the things that that entails, maybe he can get into a competition for playing time. All of that is to say, if Green Bay wants to use the draft to be in position to upgrade the guard spot, they're going to draft a tackle. And they're going to draft an, an athletic tackle that they can slide inside to play guard. They prize athletic ability and particularly change of direction skills, and they have been very good. There's, there are a lot of fans out there that are like, oh, are we just going to rely on more mid-round? Yes. Yes. It's worked for them over and over and over and over. I mean, they drafted three all-pro offensive linemen in the fourth round. And J.C. Treader, who's a really solid player, in the fourth round. They got Corey Lindsley, who is a Pro Bowl caliber center, in the fifth round. You can do this with offensive linemen. You can find those guys. And they've only really, I mean, Darren College was a solid player. Had his flaws, for sure, but was solid. Was it was an important part of some really good teams in Green Bay, some playoff teams. The only high draft capital that they've used, Darren College, offensive tackle, Brian Bulaga, first round pick. Derek Sherrod, first round pick. Now Sherrod ended up playing some guard because they were just they were loaded and they didn't need the help. And he had the catastrophic leg injury, but that's the only time they've used high draft capital on. Offensive lineman, Jason Spriggs, was a second-round pick. He was an offensive tackle. Did they want him to play guard or did he play guard because he had to? That we don't really know for sure. He's not a long-term option here because he's just not very good. This is what they do. They draft offensive tackles to play guard, and they, generally speaking, don't use high draft capital to do it. When they use high draft picks to take offensive linemen, they draft offensive tackles. And they draft offensive tackles to play offensive tackle. So I think the most likely scenario here is in the fourth round, in the fifth round, maybe the third round, maybe the second round, there's an offensive tackle that they target. And they say, "Okay, we're going to draft this guy and we're going to convert him to guard eventually. Now, that's interesting because someone like Michael Dieter at Wisconsin played guard and tackle. So how does he fit in? Does he fit that mold? Is he athletic enough? This is why I think someone like Dalton Reisner, who I mentioned earlier in the week on social media, I just, I think is awesome. And I want him on my team if I'm any NFL team. He's, he's a dog. He is a competitor. He is a fighter. He is a mauler. And he gets the job done consistently. So he played Center. He played tackle, and he could certainly play guard in the NFL. What would be so interesting for Green Bay, if they sign a guard in free agency, and and most of the guys are 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 33, they're up there in age. Brian Bulaga is not, really. So let's say they they sign a guard, and they draft someone like Reisner at 30. Issues with Bulaga. He can't stay healthy. Maybe you just move on after 2019. But maybe he stays and plays well. And the move is, all right, we're going to keep Bulaga. And whether we put him at guard or we put Reisner at guard, now these two guys combined in some form or fashion can manage the right side of the offensive line. And now you have a pairing for the next three, four, five years. Aaron Rodgers. He is still hopefully in his prime, and, and that is a workable solution. He's one of the only guys for whom I think that makes sense because he can play both. I think he should absolutely be a target for the Packers. And just from a versatility standpoint and a, and a team-building standpoint makes a tremendous amount of, of sense. We don't. I'm not going to get into the fourth round offensive tackles, the fifth round, some of those guys that, that could be in that mold that would fit the precedent that Green Bay has set for these players and how they generally value them. That's something we can do closer to the draft. Uh, but right now, I think that is a name to really focus in on Reisner at 30, potentially. I think 12 is probably too high. I think there's going to be other better players there. But I think Reisner is better than the 30th player in the draft. And if he's there at 30, given their needs and given the situation with Brian Bulaga, that makes just, it makes so much sense and could set them up offensive line-wise and really offensively to flourish over the next three, four, five seasons. So I think what makes sense to me is, so Bell's a free agent. Lucas Patrick, Justin McCray. I mentioned this earlier. You make an offer to Lucas Patrick, Justin McRae walks, Byron Bell walks. You replace those guys. Let's say if, if, if Cole Madison is coming back, because maybe you keep Justin McCray, you can get him on a super cheap tender, just bring him into camp. And if he can't play again, he can't play again. And you you just, you can get out without money being a problem. But if you can take Nico Siragusa and Cole Madison and just swap Byron Bell and Justin McCray, I think there's a good chance you just made your team better. You have Lucas Patrick, who may be a developmental prospect, may be something down the line. And now you have the opportunity to go into the draft to take a tackle to play guard, a tackle to play tackle. But what you need to do for sure is fortify that guard position. And there are some very good options in free agency. I think this remains, getting a veteran guard, remains not only the most likely, but the most efficient way, the most effective way to fill this position of need. And there are a handful of names that I think are worth mentioning in free agency in particular. Roger Saffold is the top name. He was one of those guys I mentioned in that top 10 of pass block win rate for guards. He was third, won 87% of his pass rush reps last year. That's awesome. He is still young, just 31 years old, but it sounds like he wants to stay with the Rams. And rightfully so. Younger guy, um, a big part of their success. But money is going to be a problem. Money is going to be a problem for the Rams. They have to figure out what they're going to do with a number of star players. And could they prioritize paying in Dominican Sue, uh, an extension for Marcus Peters, Akeeb Tlaib? Do those guys come up in a more important way for this front office than someone like Roger Saffold and, and Green Bay? Certainly not warm weather. But the, the potential to go and be a key piece in a, in a team trying to make a Super Bowl run could be appealing. Someone like Ramon Foster would represent what, what, I, what I think is the Jari Evans role. He's 33, a longtime veteran for the Steelers, but was very good last year. If the Steelers realize, okay, look, this team is not as close as we thought it was. Antonio Brown is doing Antonio Brown things. Ben Roethlisberger isn't getting any younger. Maybe what we need to do is go young and you know figure this out moving forward with some younger guys, some more athletic guys, and Ramon Foster is just not worth the money that he's going to command. None of these guys are going to get top-of-market money except Saffold. He could be a, an expensive guard piece. you know, Kevin Zeitler a couple years ago, got 10 plus million. Saffold probably needs to get in that eight, nine, 10 million dollar range. Ramon Foster probably doesn't. And the, the switch in culture, in climate, in expectations from Pittsburgh to Green Bay, not huge. I think that makes some sense. Billy Turner, the guard from Denver. What is going on with the front office in Denver? How close do they think they are? If they're in rebuild mode, do they take a 27-year-old guard and just say, you know what, we don't know if we have our quarterback and we're not going to spend money here. We're going to draft some young guys and we're going to build the team that way. He was 25th in pro football focuses guard rankings in terms of grades. Again, I think in the, mid- in the middle, things get squishy. On the margins is where you really get to get to see, you know, the good players and the really bad players stand out. All the guys in the middle, uh, but I but you know, I think this tracks here. Billy Billy Turner would certainly be an upgrade over what Green Bay has at right guard currently. One of the names that I'm fascinated by, Quentin Spain, played left guard, played right guard for Tennessee, Matt LaFleur. That connection. Now, does Tennessee want to bring him back? They probably do, but they have they have questions to answer with Marcus Mariota. Is he their long-term solution there? And if he's not, or even if he is with question marks, do they want to get younger? Quinn Spain, just 28, um, was right behind Billy Turner in those pro football focus grades among guys who played at least 50% of snaps. He's an above-average guard, would come in, immediately be an upgrade. Another name that I think is interesting AJ can. you're talking about a former top 100 pick ninth in pass rush win rate, that ESPN stat. So just behind Lane Taylor. he's only 27, but Jacksonville is in cap hell. Can they afford to pay an interior offensive lineman what he is worth maybe. Probably not. Now, they have prioritized offensive linemen. They spent a boatload on offensive linemen the last few offseasons, but they've also spent a ton on defensive players, Calais Campbell, and and bringing in these high-priced cornerback free agents, A.J. Boye. Do they have the cap flexibility to pay him? One of the, I think, more uh, economical options is James Carpenter. 30-year-old guard, uh, plays for the Jets. Is he part of the long-term trajectory of the Jets? They have a young quarterback, a very young quarterback. So what is their tolerance there for an older player? If they're going to give him a three-year deal, Sam Darnold might be good in three years, but then now James Carpenter is 33, 34 years old, and what do you do there? He is someone who is not great. He's not great. He's fine. He's above average but just barely, and he would be an upgrade for sure. I think he's the kind of guy that you can sign and have him just come in and stabilize your offensive line to say, look, we, know we don't need an all-star. We don't need a superstar. If you're the Packers, that, that's what you can look at this position and say, we just need someone okay. Just be okay, and and the offense will be much Better now. One option I want to throw out there before we before we get out of here is Jason Hershorn, my my friend and colleague, uh, threw this out there on Twitter the other day. It, it sounds like the Browns want to get Austin Corbett, who's going to be a second year player in 2019, on the field, but the Browns paid Kevin Zeitler, who I mentioned earlier, a ton. Kevin Zeitler was and is one of the best guards in football, but. If they don't want to pay him that money, if they want to get Corbett on the field, could they trade him for a mid round pick? Green Bay has a bunch of picks, multiple fourth rounders. You know, if you're if you're the Packers, would you be give, would you be willing to give up a third for Kevin Zeitler? I think that has to be something you discuss because if you really want to get back into the third round, Green Bay did this last year with multiple fourths, you trade up and you get Oren Burks. This year, if you give up a third to get Kevin Zeitler, obviously you have to pay him that contract, but he's really good. Went to the University of Wisconsin, understands the culture, understands the expectations. Bring him in. He's your starting right guard. And now your offensive line is fortified and you don't have to worry about these draft picks. Maybe, maybe you, you can get a tackle and, and you, you want a Brian Bulaga era parent, but you don't have to worry about someone like Dalton Reisner being able to play either of those positions. That's not a concern anymore because you have your guard of the future, someone who's still relatively young, who has some upside down the line, can continue to be good, who isn't just going to wane as you know each passing year of that contract comes through. I think that is something that Green Bay ought to explore, and, and, and we have a clear path to it. I mean, we see it. Green Bay and Cleveland share, you know, they might as well share phone lines. They have so many people in common. And, you know, all the former Green Bay staffers in Cleveland, it, it wouldn't be that hard. If if Cleveland wants to unload someone, you call Green Bay, call Brian Gutekunst, and say, hey, we got a guy you need. Give us, you know, pick X and we'll do it. I think that's something worth exploring if you're the Packers. All right. We're going to be back next week with a lot more. The, the Combine is already, I mean, we're, we're almost there. Almost in Indianapolis. And that means the, the, the free agent discussions are right around the corner as well. We're going to have some some interviews next week. Talk NFL draft. Talk about some of these prospects. Guys to have an eye on when they get to Indy. What to be looking for. Who to be looking for. What to, What might stand out and what might not. And just to set expectation levels. Going into Indianapolis. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter Follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown Packers. Like us on Facebook. We post all of our content there. Be a part of our community there. Send me messages, comment on posts, share posts, let other people know that you are listening to Locked on Packers and that you like it. Subscribe to us on iTunes, it's really easy. You're going to get all of our episodes right to your phone. Do it on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers. Tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Packers. Alexa, okay, Google, whatever it is, we're there. And it's really, really easy. That's why you have one of those smart speakers to make your life easier. We're there. We're there to make your life easier, too. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. So you can stay... Locked On Packers.